1380 KCIM Sports presents KCIM Sports Rewind. A look back at the week in high school sports. Brought to you by St. Anthony Rehab Services. Here's sports director Jeff Blankman, John Ryan, and Jeff Honnell. Okay, we're going on early today. Because we're going on like 30 seconds early because we've got issues we need to discuss. Don't you guys feel like you've been called to the principal's office right I, now? I do. I don't know how I got back in here. I kind of yeah. like it in the middle of the pasture where I don't have to really pay attention. Welcome to detention, boys. It's going to get rough. Uh, Jeff Blankman, sports director in studio, wearing his traditional Husker blue this week. So, yes. yeah, no way to go on that one. Nice. Yeah. Well, you fire I, your coach, and man, you change colors, and you're you're off you're off and running. Well, I wore my Husker stuff yesterday, and I was decked out head to toe uh, in, in Husker gear on Sunday. You can ask Doug Wanniger and Cherry Wanniger. And they, Friday, I can they see you saw me. The football field. Yeah. No. Yeah. Friday, I had some on, but. Uh, no, I'm, you know, people are going to laugh. I'm going to Glidden-Ralston tonight. Not to Glidden, but I'm covering a Glidden-Ralston game, so I have some Glidden blue. It's not an actual Glidden shirt. It's a Carol Broadcasting shirt, mm-hmm. but it's it's blue. So I'm it's kind of my way of, you know, wearing the colors of the school that I'm going to cover without wearing one of their shirts. So that's just sidestepping the whole issue right there for me. Um, <laughs> Thank you, John. Give, give me the impressions. Uh, Scott Frost gone after three games. I mean, everybody wanted his head. That's and there's no doubt about that. But after that loss, I mean, was there was there any decision to be made? They said they could have saved eight million dollars had they waited till October first. But that's just didn't happen. No, and I, I think ninety nine percent of the Nebraska fan base is just broken hearted. Everybody, there's always going to be those fans that don't want a guy to be successful. Um, that's just the way the world. Yeah, works. unless you come in and do everything perfectly, that and, yeah. and what they want in their head, yeah. you're not you're not a good coach. Yeah. You're not a good you know. But person. I would say nine over ninety five percent of Nebraska nation is is just sad. Uh, they wanted it to work. You know, I had people ask me on Sunday, are you glad he's gone? I'm like, why would I be glad he's gone? Because that means that we weren't successful. I mean, why in the mm-hmm. heck would I ever recruit, re, re, you know, go against my team and wish that they would lose so that we can change coaches? That's just idiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so no, I, I'm, I'm incredibly sad that it didn't work out um, and that they ended up having to let him go. Now, um, to kind of go on with your, your comment about the saving the $7.5 million on the buyout, um, I didn't think of this. It was it was on Nebraska Radio Network yesterday that, you know, you've got Foxes coming to town on Saturday for the Oklahoma game. If you leave Frost in position this week, what's the narrative going to be on the pregame talk show for two hours? Is Frost going to survive? When are they going to let Frost go? Is this the week that they fire him? Now that he's gone, the narrative will be, okay, they left him go, but what's the future? Who are they going to bring in? It's a more positive spin where you can get the vast majority of the talk now on Saturday will be about the Nebraska-Oklahoma game and where does Nebraska go from here rather than the dwelling on when is the guy going to be fired and, and stuff like that. John so. and I talked about the same thing. Thing, but even bigger than that, you have game day coming to town. Yeah, you have ESPN rolling into town Friday night, and, yep. and I think that you know that that's probably worth the seven million dollar buyout just to get the narrative yeah. changed. And, yep. and as sad as it is, we all kind of knew. I I turned I was out at the North Dakota game, and I turned to my brother at halftime, and I'm like. You lose to Northwestern, and then you look bad early playing against North mm-hmm. Dakota. I says, I hate to say this, but unless he wins eight or nine this year, he's done. And I don't think he, unless we turn around and play really great, and we didn't against Georgia State or Georgia Southern, excuse me, it, it just, 
you know, it, it happened. Yeah. I did, I, until I found out that game day was kind of rolling into town. That's national. Every college fan kind of watches that yep. in the morning. I mean, it, it does make sense. They make the move now because you're talking about the future recruits are also yep. following all of that stuff that goes on as much as they maybe don't watch the traditional television, but they still follow the hype and all right. of that. So yeah. it is, if the hype's not there for, hey, this is a failing program instead of, Okay, the future's different now here at Nebraska. Right. And like Trev Albert said, you know, a different voice. I mean, they've tried the same voice now for four-plus years, and you know, out of the 31 losses, 22 of them are by a touchdown or less, and 26 of the 31 are by single digits. We're in almost every game, but for some reason the voices aren't figuring out a way to be able to win those close games. Maybe you change the voice. Maybe maybe something changes, not saying it's going to, but maybe maybe something changes. The other thing is, is Mickey Joseph now, who was an All-American quarterback at Nebraska back in the 80s and was on LSU's national championship staff a couple years ago, gets to be the interim he now gets nine games to kind of maybe show what he's capable of doing yep. and maybe that's a direction they look to go who it's knows an audition for him yes. certainly but uh alberts did not hire frost no no nope. that, that was that, that was, was the other Bill way around Moose. he yep. came in afterwards so it's yep. not his guy right it's not his choice and, although, they're, and they're friends i mean they, oh yeah. they were both nebraska I mean, both former players all yep. americans yeah yeah they're they're definitely nebraska roots for both of them but yep. uh this whole talk i don't get matt campbell I, I don't get that talk because I don't I don't see him making that move. I mean, unless they back up the Brinks truck and he's all about money, which he's proven at Iowa State, he's not. I don't I don't get why he'd be the pick. I don't think. Well, I understand why he'd be the pick. He has shown that he can come in and and, and, recruit, and build and certainly. recruit and, and and win, and he can probably win in a physical conference. But so I, I think would he's understand. built up enough at Iowa State to go to a better program. It's not in that position right now. Saying okay, I can still make that amount of money, still be in a better situation the next time. I I don't disagree with you on that. I'm not saying that he's going there. I I will just say this: Corey Meyer, who's a diehard Iowa State fan, showed me a tweet yesterday that somebody put out of all the reasons Matt Campbell will take the Nebraska job. And you read through them, and I even looked at Corey, and he goes, there ain't a one of them that's not true. Mm-hmm. Better tradition, more money, bigger bank account, better facilities, you know, conference that makes a heck of a lot more money, uh, easier to recruit to. I mean, you just read through the list. And Iowa State right now is a better football program than Nebraska. Absolutely no doubt. I don't think you'll find a Nebraska fan that doesn't say that. But if you look at all of those things, there wasn't one thing on that list that you couldn't deny that taking the Nebraska job in the long run would be a better job for Matt Campbell. Now that, that's not me saying that they're going to go get him or mm-hmm. he's coming or any of that, but you know, I completely get why Iowa State fans don't want to lose him. I absolutely, you know, agree with that. So I, I think it's a long way between now and the time they hire somebody. This yes. whole season's going to have to yep. play out. Other yes. coaches are going to want to show interest or yep. hot new assistant coaches, you know, the only wanna... thing I will add to that and and I, the guy could be wrong. I can't forget, remember who it is, but he tweeted it out on Saturday night. Um, and this is a guy that, I, like I said, I can't think of what his name is, but he correctly predicted ahead of Nebraska, yeah. like Bill Callahan, Bo Pelini, Mike Riley, and Scott Frost. Now, the Frost one was really easy. This is a national college sports guy from CBS, and I can't remember which one it is. He tweeted on Saturday night that he said, Matt Campbell will be the next head coach at Nebraska. This is the job he's really wanted, and it's the job he's been waiting to come open. That that's right. I've never heard that. Yeah, any I, other source. Either. Yeah, yeah. So so this guy has correctly predicted the Nebraska head coach four straight head coaches months before they actually hired the guy. So if if this is who it ends up, you know, 
he, he's got to have some kind of insight. Not yeah. saying he's going to be right. Mm-hmm. It just when I saw that tweet from this guy, I was like, ooh, that's that's interesting. That, that's a that's a source inside the athletic department, not the AD, because right. it's been different ADs. Yes, at absolutely. least one. Anyway, yeah, so. so so there's Nebraska. Yeah, hmm. and no. I'll just throw this out real quick for Blaze Gunnerson. Man, I oh, hope yeah. things turn, and yeah. and I hope that things go well. That young man is, he has busted his tail as hard as anybody I've ever mm-hmm. known to be where he's at, and I hope things turn for him and for that program. Not just because a Nebraska fan, but because I just have that much respect for him. And, and not that I want anybody to transfer, but we've all busted on the transfer portal ahead. But this is what the transfer portal was built to do: is you know you went there to be with somebody, not your fault that he's gone. If, if you want to, if you want to get to somewhere where maybe. You know, that's what it was built to be, and, right. and, I, and I hope none of those kids leave. I hope they stick it out and, and enjoy it, but this was yep. what it was for, yeah, too. That's a, that's a great reason Absolutely. for an argument for the portal. Now, uh, Jeff Honnold is in the studio. He's wearing his traditional Iowa blue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talk about the Hawkeyes, man. There was a lot of, lot, a lot of beef coming up out of that game, that Iowa State game. Oof. Three years of seeing the same thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's bad football. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be going to a game to be entertained, and I am not entertained. It's actually I'm developing new cuss words because I can't watch that offense enough, and they regress. I mean, it's been an Iowa tradition lately of regressing of the quarterback, and granted the offensive line isn't great, and granted blah, 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 but it's pretty easy to play Iowa, put eight, nine men in the box and make the quarterback beat you, and it's not going to happen, and we haven't done it for the last five to ten years. Um, you got a great defense, and I sitting guy to my left knows that I was not a Phil Parker fan. Um, I, 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 there's, I, I think he's an amazing coach right now. I think he knows what he's doing. Unless you can dink and dunk, if you can do five yards and stay patient, you're going to beat him because he's he's not going to he's not going to play tight. He's going to play too mm-hmm. safe, too high safety, and you're going to have to earn it underneath. So the defense is very very entertaining, but boy, this offense is bad. And if you're telling me that you don't have anybody else in the quarterback room that's as good as Petrus, then everybody needs to go. That's why every coach tells you there's three phases: offense, defense, and special teams, which Iowa has in spades as they, well. They've done really uh, well. They've been out. Standing, they've been the reason that they're in some of these games as well. The only thing I'll counter him just a little bit, and I agree with him 120%. Can't agree more on how bad the offense and, and the quarterback play and the offensive line play is. Um, you, you talked, you said something about you know it's been like this for five to ten years. You realize this is the best decade. The last ten years has been the best best decade for Iowa football in the history of the program. I still can't so it's as it. bad as the offense has been, and it's been bad, especially the last two or three years. You guys are on an unprecedented run right now for Hawkeye football mm-hmm. with the success that you've had. So somehow they've found a way, thanks to special teams and defense, defense to yep. be able to win football games. I saw somebody tweeted this: if our offense looks like this again. South Dakota State and Iowa State. What's it going to look like against Michigan and Ohio State, We've which are on a whole other level? We've already seen it. Did you watch the championship game last year? <laughs> <laughs> we know what's coming. That's, that's the thing. I mean, it, this is the third year of the same kid doing the same thing. I think Petrus is a wonderful young guy. I think he's a D2 quarterback. I don't think he's a D3 quarter, quarterback. He's a D2. He's definitely not D1. Um, he can't set his feet. I mean, the kid can do everything right in practice. Everything's great. But you're you're not – you just can't continue down this path. I well, mean, some of that could be who's coaching your quarterbacks too, I, I was, and, and making the play calls. Some of that could be coaching. He got trained coaching. by my favorite coach in the world. So, well, let me and, just let me just tell your this offensive out there. coordinator is also your your quarterbacks coach now, and and there's a connection there that might need to change. So Nebraska's made a big change on their head coaching position. What's the change that Iowa makes? They won't. 
they won't make a change. Scott you're, you're, Frost you're, is the new offensive coordinator in <laughs> Iowa. Done. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> so it still will be I'll pay Kurt him, Ferentz, Brian Ferentz. I'll pay him $40,000. You guys can keep paying me fifteen mil. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, they won't make any changes. There, there, there will not be a change. Uh, Kirk Ferentz will not change. He has not changed in all the years. Yeah. It's what he wants. It's what he yeah. wants. So. Now, the worst part is you are the worst offensive team in all of college football, right? By a, by a long shot. By yeah. a long shot. Less right. than 200 yards a game. I, I did have it's, to. It's, it's rough. Now, and I, and I, let's go back. I really like Iowa State. I think Iowa State's going to be a really good team this year. That defense struggled against a really good Iowa State offense. I, they get their defense figured out. It's a young defense. That team's going to be something to reckon. I, I like that team. Uh, I watched them uh, the very first game live, and I like what I see. I like Campbell. I really like Campbell. I think he's a great coach, and I think his staff's good. Um, so Iowa probably isn't as bad as whatever we all want to make them out to be, but they're bad offensively. So Jamie Pollard needs a short list, and he needs to come up. <laughs> he's already got one. Every every, every AD word every has Absolutely. lists everywhere. Yeah. So whether it happens or not, we'll have to wait and find I out. I don't think it does, but okay. that's just, yeah. Got to talk high school. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to talk volleyball? You want to talk football? Pretty good night for Carolyn Kemper once again on Friday night. Yeah, and Kemper jumps into the rankings, uh, you know, uh, yesterday afternoon, ranked 10th in, in Class 1A right now, and, and deservingly so. Um, that team is really good. The athletes that they can put out there, if there's an area uh, they just aren't very big, um, so they're not. You know, I, I think if you get a team that's just going to line up and try and run it straight down their throat, they'll have some success probably against them just because Kemper's not very big up front. Um, but uh, the athletes that they can put out on the field on both sides of the ball you're not going to have a lot of success against them. I, I think this is a team that Underwood game at the end of the year is looming. Um, you know, But I, I think they make a run. I think they go into that Underwood game undefeated. I, I'm not trying to put any pressure on them. I just think that they're well, that good. I've had some people that have followed this program that compare it to that state championship team with Cole Neary and t- you know, Taylor Niehaus and you know, mm-hmm. Sam Brinks and that group. I don't know if they're at that level yet. I mean, you had some D1 quality kids and some really, really high-level kids on that team, you know, with Alex Dries, who could have played at Iowa State or pretty much anywhere he wanted. But uh, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I think this team is the best team that Kemper's had since that year, that is for sure. I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of arguments with that, but uh, they've also got a whole season to prepare they for that do. game to get better Absolutely. week in and week out. It's not your focus. You're not looking at Underwood yet. You're playing it week by week, but you're getting yep. better week by week. Absolutely. Well, and the other the good thing is, is you're going to be either one or two, so you're probably going to, you know, you got a chance of getting a home game for the playoff as well. So, yep. um, you know, you're you just got to take care of the business. And, and I think they'll I think they'll do really well in that district. We talked about that early in the year. I yep. think they're set up well for that district. So, you know, regardless, even if, depending on what you want to show Underwood, you, you know, you always want to win the district. But you got a chance there to be one or two and get a home game playoff game. That's a big deal. Yeah, and I tell you what, don't count the Carroll Tigers out in their district right now. I think most people would anticipate the ranked MOC Floyd Valley team probably the favorite as the district schedule is going to get underway, but I don't think there's anybody out there right now that uh, doesn't think the Carroll Tigers have a chance to, to, to win that district or contend at least, you know, for the top one or two in, in that district because, and this isn't knocking Carroll, the rest of the district has not looked great here early in Thank the Carroll Tigers. 
Tigers have looked really, really good. Besides Carroll and MOC Floyd Valley, everybody else in that district, Sergeant Wolf Luton is winless. Uh, well, Wait, Rock Valley that, is one that's and a headline two right there. You know, I mean, who to who to thunk into that? You know, I, I keep watching the scores and, and looking at it going, oh, what am I looking at here? I I yeah. am I am completely confused on that district, and I think that's the thing. I think Carroll has. The same shot as everybody else in that district right now, and they've yep. been looking pretty good. And they've been able to throw it when they need to throw it. Um, that's been the key. Uh, they, they, their running game's going to be really good. The one-two punch, Cooper Ludwig and, and Reese Zygman, they've gotten good offensive line play. Um, I, I, it was fun talking with Coach Rowetter after the game the other night because Gilbert threw a defense at him that was really designed to, you know, you're going to have to beat us with the pass. We're going to do it. And then, uh, my, my question was, was that game a hiccup or was that I, just... I think it was. I, I think that Thomas Jefferson came out and tried to do the exact same thing defensively, and Carroll High went off for 400, almost 500 yards rushing. So they figured it out. This coaching staff really adjusts. Their defense is going to be really, really good. And I think when once uh, Mr. White figures out the passing, it sounds like he was just missing on the Gilbert game, just a little high. And a little, yep. Once he gets down in rhythm where they can – and they're not going to need him to pass for 500 yards no. just to be efficient enough to keep things yep. going. They're a dangerous, dangerous team when you can run and just pass enough to get by. Well, and I thought a key comment from Coach going into the Thomas Jefferson game, and it might have been part of you know what hurt uh, against Gilbert was that you know they got all those big plays in the in the season opener against Dennis and Schleswig in the run game and then all of a sudden it was like oh I'm going to pop this to the outside and try and get you know the 60 yard run rather than taking that four or five yard run and then eventually those four and five runs turned into 12 and 15 yard runs and that's what they were able to do against Thomas Jefferson. They were able to stay within themselves and, and do what the offense was designed to do and then the big plays came rather than trying to create those big plays on, on every single carry. And who else stood out to you on Friday? Our Weaver, I thought, looked uh, very good for as young as they are. Uh, and I tip my cap to to them. Uh, you, you know, you've got a young team. Seven of the 15 kids are freshmen. They've gotten beaten 69 to 17 or similar to that, you know, each of the first two weeks. You come out and you fall down 14 to nothing in the first four minutes of the game. And you come back and you take a 26 to 14 lead at halftime. And Glidden comes out and kind of punches you in the face again to start mm-hmm. the second half and goes back up 28-26. And then a young team again rallies uh, and, and goes on to win by 10, 38 to 28. So I think that's a huge step for a young team to fall down twice in a game and then still come back and be able to win the game. Fun game. Yes. That was a fun game to watch. I, I got to go over as a, a fan of both teams. I got yep. to just sit on the other side and watch. I didn't call it. Got to enjoy both of it and the atmosphere. And that uh, those young boys, if they can stay healthy and yep. if they can get themselves into being seniors, they're going to be awful tough. They're, they remind me of that other group that came through and took their lumps. They're they're a lot better game three than they were game one. And, and uh, you know, Glidden's got a lot of size. When they figure out uh, Craig Lynch's style again uh, of being physical, um, they're going to be really tough. At the end of the year, they're going to be really good because they're big and they're quick. Yeah. Uh, they'll get it figured out. But uh, I like the, the Snyder and, and Oberding combination yeah, they're be good uh, as tailbacks. And Sklenar is really physical. We we kind of joked on Saturday about that time he caught that pass over on the sideline. And somebody from the secondary tried to come up and make the tackle. And it was one of those you felt bad for the kid because all you saw was the kid flying through the air backwards because <laughs> uh, Sklenar yeah. just absolutely – And know, all you heard was yes. shoulder pad pop. Yeah, it was a great you – know, yeah. So it, they, it was 
almost like one of those movie stunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really was. Yeah, but I agree with Jeff. As soon as Glidden figures out, they got to start winning the, the the line of scrimmage with their size. They've got to start winning the line of scrimmage on a consistent basis. Speaking of the line of scrimmage, South Central Calhoun struggling to stop the run, plus uh, some of the turnovers in the past game just kind of doomed them with Emmitsburg. Yeah, way too many turnovers. Uh, got to get that run game established. Uh, did I in, in 19 years of you know, watching Southern Cal or South Central Calhoun, I don't know if I've ever seen Brian Case struggle to run the football uh, like they are now. Uh, 2.3 yards per carry, um, you know, through three games um, is is not South Central Calhoun-style football. I know Gavin Bat is an outstanding quarterback, but I think when you're relying on them to throw the ball, and Keegan Sword's been, Sword's been outstanding in the, in the receiving game, but, you know, Gavin goes down uh, midway through the late part of that third quarter. They're down by a couple of scores at that point, and then things got really uh, kind of ugly for them after that. So hopefully Gavin not going to be out for very long. Um, we'll see how everything turns out there. But, uh, you know, defensively I was surprised at, at how well Emmitsburg sounded like they were able to move the football and, and put That's points on the board. To yeah, me. you know, And it's really surprising because you got size and strength up front with South Central. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they've had any injuries or they're dinged up a little bit, but they haven't used it. Um, and, and I know when I talked to Coach Case early in the year, that was a concern. Um, and they got speed. You know, yep. usually you got speed and size with Coach Case. You're going to run the ball up and down on people, and they just can't quite get that figured out. Yep. Coon Rapids Baird taking down BV. Nice, consistent game for CRB. I mean, uh, they put up 35 points, but they scored 8, 14, 6, and 7. So they scored in every quarter. Yeah, and, and I like them offensively and defensively. They're going to be solid as well. Um, you know, Coach Moore does a really good job. They have a style they want to play, and they just kind of stick with it. And, and it's been effective for them. Uh, you know, you got a kid like Lance Clayberg who's outstanding, and Omar Marion has, has been uh, really, really good for them this year. And, and uh, Wyatt Oswald's taken some steps forward as a quarterback. I, I like this team. I'm kind of looking forward to getting a chance to kind of catch up with them a little bit more as the season goes on, but they're playing well. I mean, I know they're sitting 2-1 and one on the season, but they won the game that they technically ended yeah. up having to forfeit and lose, so this this is an undefeated club. Now, the back part of their schedule are going to be much more challenging probably than what the early part of their schedule has been, so uh, we'll, we'll hope this team can continue to grow and, and then see what happens when the chal- real challenging part of their schedule comes in. Rough weeks for IKM Manning, Audubon, and East Sac. A total of seven points between the three teams. Yeah, IKM Manning is getting better. A young team that you knew they were going to go through growing pains up front. I just talked to Coach McCarville right before I came in this morning, and he saw some positive steps. Um, they're getting better at the fundamental things. He thought that the game was actually closer probably than what the final score indicated. I know you can't take big plays out of the game, but that's, you know, that they're a part of it. But, he, you know, he's like, they had four Four plays where they put up about 300 and some yards of rushing. He said, you take away those plays and we gave up just over 100 yards in the rest of the game. Uh, you know, you can't do that. He knows that. But that means if you start shutting down and taking away some of those big plays and then you get a few of them on your own. He said, we're so close to breaking a play on the offensive side of the ball. We just haven't gotten it done yet. So I think that starts to switch a little bit. I think they'll be fine as the year goes on. So how good was Fremont Mills? Are they making a statement that game against on 44 44- Nothing was the I, final. I there. think so. Um, you know, their only loss was uh, Cam, and and uh, you know, Cam ended up getting knocked off by a really good West Harrison team this weekend. And um, Fremont left some points out on the board in that loss to Cam, so they're probably good enough to be an undefeated team. I think for Audubon, though, um, this this is different for them. This is. 
kind of a gut check time for them a little bit. Uh, you know, they're sitting one and two and or one and three, I should say. And the three games they've lost, they've they've kind of gotten it handed to them just a little bit. So this is this is going to be interesting to see. They've got a big game that we're covering with Exiroquan and Kimbleton, that rivalry game coming up. Um, they can still salvage the season, but uh, it needs to start this week. It's a young team, uh, inexperienced team. We call yep. it not as young, but they, are, they a lot of guys are getting some. And it's going to take them a little bit to get their legs underneath them. And, and, and to be honest with you, they've gotten handed to them, but they've had three really, really good, good teams. teams. I yes, mean, you've absolutely. got state-quality state teams you come in here. It's not like you got to test out with some, some easier components right. to get your legs underneath you. So, um, you know, they're, again, their easier part of their schedule comes in the back half. But they got a tough one coming up. They're really going to have to, to, to see what they are made of right now. Yeah. Young ESAC team also taking on OABCIG. Their schedule hasn't been easy early in no, the season at no. all. Uh, they took their lumps there 54-7 there. Yeah. Falcons just kind of reload. Their, their first five games of the year, you know, Ridgeview was the easiest of all of those, and they're not a bad ball club. But, uh, you know, you, you look at it, it's nothing but ranked programs and traditionally really, really, really good programs those first five games of the year. So uh, that, that schedule to start with for them uh, hasn't been, you know, easy. So I, their, their last four games, especially probably those last two games, um, you know, are winnable games, and, and, and hopefully they can stay confident and continue to build towards that. That's the hard part. You're, you're really going against really good teams, and, and, and you want to try to get something for the kids to build on, but by the time they get to that, are they beat up or they're, right. how are they mentally? And um, they're, uh, ESAC is not as bad, we've talked about years, they're not as bad as what those scores are. They're a pretty decent team, but you're just not as deep and as big as, as those big programs. All right, so we got to take a break here real quick. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little volleyball. Kemper jumping into the rankings, if I heard correctly this morning. Yep. So we're going to talk about that coming up here in KCIM Sports Rewind. As the athletes at your house prepare for hard work and fun of the season, remember that St. Anthony Rehab Services provides physical therapy for any sports injury that may sideline your member of the team. Sports injuries can plague kids of all ages and keep them from playing the sport they love. Athletes will be under the direct supervision of a certified and licensed healthcare professional in the newly renovated sports performance facility. If an injury is keeping your athlete out of the game, call St. Anthony Rehabilitation Services at 794-5000 for sports injury and treatment rehab. You are listening to KCIM Sports Rewind, brought to you exclusively by St. Anthony Sports Performance Program. Eight weeks, they are going to make you uh, more powerful, stronger. You're going to benefit from every bit of that program. So if you're an athlete of any age that you want to be better in sports, give them a call. 794-5241. Be your best preseason, in-season, or off-season. Let's talk about Volleyball, of course, uh, as we mentioned, you mentioned off-air, Jeff, that uh, Kemper continues to be ranked. It was the football that jumped into the rankings this week. But uh, Kemper, once again, still continues to put together good season. Yeah, this is a, this is a good team. They went 5-1 and one this past weekend up at the South Central Calhoun Tournament. They're only lost. Second time they've lost to South Central Calhoun this year. The Titans playing really, really good volleyball right now. Now, won. who else was in that tournament? Carroll High was in there? Carroll like High was in it. Isak was in it. Ridgeview was in it. Winterset and Kingsley Pearson. So, um, you know, some really strong competition. Uh, I know both ESAC and, and Carroll High struggled up there. ESAC won a couple of matches. Carroll won one match. I think both of them disappointed uh, in how things went. Uh, both of them kind of scraping a little bit right now and scrapping with themselves. They're just trying to find themselves. And, you know, I talked with uh, Coach Clink up there at the tournament, and she feels that they're really close, that they're, you know, a lot of their games are like, for the tournament, for example, 21-17, 21-18 type of losses. So they're not that far away. They've just got to uh, 
you know, probably clean some things up and start getting some things to go their way. And when I watched Carroll the other day, um, it, it's more their own mistakes. Yep. Um, the other team isn't doing a lot to them. They're having a little, they were having some trouble passing. They were having some trouble setting. They're having trouble hitting. Just their own error. Serves in the net. My goodness gracious, they had a ton of serves in the net. So just the mental error part of it. Yep. Um, they're they're. Like you said, they're not very far away from being a really good team. They just got to clean up the little things. Yeah, and Isak's kind of the same way. Went out and played really well against the really good competition up there, uh, minus maybe the first set of the morning against South Central Calhoun when they when they really struggled. But after that, they played pretty well. Just you know, it's it's consistency for them uh, that, that seems to be a, a, an issue. And I, I think it's an issue in our area right now, in in a way. And that is, as Jeff mentioned here a moment ago, passing. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of volleyball this year. I've seen a lot of really good volleyball over the years and, and getting the ball to your setter in good shape to be able to have your setter be able to get the ball to your hitters in good shape right now seems to be a struggle for a lot of programs uh, in the area. I'm amazed at how many setters are constantly on the run, are constantly having to set from behind the 10-foot line. Um, the fundamentals of passing and digging um, just to serve-receive, just it, it's, it's a struggle right now and, and until um, those things kind of get fixed in a lot of programs. I think you're going to see some of the struggles that we're having in volleyball in the area kind of continue. I, I, I actually had one of the head coaches here in the area kind of joke with me that they wanted to put a Fitbit on their setter's you know, ankle <laughs> and, and track all of the miles that good. they have to <laughs> run you know, just to get to the passes. You know, And, and that kind of goes along with what I'm saying. When you're, Jeff, you, you coached volleyball you know, with club and even at the high school level and assistant for a long time. When your setters constantly have to run, it's difficult to make good sets when you're running all the time and setting from behind the 10-foot line on a really regular basis. One of the one of the really good coaches, uh, he does a lot of club, but he does a lot of assistant coaching with high schools and stuff, and has a saying that Lonnie Miller and I like to use like, can't set, can't play. Yeah. And if you can't pass that, can't pass, can't play, you can't pass that ball, your setter's going to wear out, your hitters aren't going to get hit, it's just going to wear everything down, and that's what I'm seeing right now. Is a, and, and That's why we went to Wichita State. He he used to tell us that he he took kids out of there, and the first thing you had to do is break them all the way down and teach them how to pass again. Right. So, passing is is big. Uh, you know, I know Kim Davis does a really good job of teaching yep. that, and so does Iowa State. Well, how hard is it to do at this point of the season when you've got you're game matches constantly? You're, I mean, it's yeah. a big issue. It is. It is. You're going to hope to have to have a week that you get maybe an, only a match on a Tuesday, so you get a Wednesday, Thursday, and a Friday to try and work on things. But when, a lot of it's just the fundamentals. It's, you know, not You don't getting, get a Christmas break in volleyball. No, I know. <laughs> you don't fundamentally, they, yeah. they don't fundamentally get themselves in the right position to be able to, to, to serve receiver pass. When, when I was with Max Fishbach, we spent the entire camp the week before, and that's yep. all we worked on was passing. They We broke them all the way down, even if they'd been our best passers, to the fundamental stages yep. footwork all the way through and we worked on it the entire time so it, it takes work to pass and it really does it's not as easy as it looks but it, it once you understand it, it it's pretty easy but it it takes a lot of work to get there and i do want to say like last night i went down watch coon rabbits beard play camity they ended up losing 3-0 but by far a huge jump for them passing-wise, hitting-wise, just the way they played overall. was really proud of those kids and that coaching staff. I went down to their first match of the year against Earlham, and, and they really, really struggled that night. I think every kid felt it. The coaching staff felt it. There was a 20% increase on the ability that they played with last night. I know they lost 3-0, but they took a huge step forward, so I tip my cap to them uh, and stuff, and I think things are going to get better for them as the season goes on. do want to give a quick shout-out as well to some cross-country 
country. We haven't had a chance as the show's becoming to an end to really time to talk about that yet. But uh, uh, Kemper girls and boys have been really good this year. The ICAM man and girls and boys cross country teams have been fantastic uh, so far this season. And hopefully Steph Beiswinger from Audubon, uh, who got injured uh, and had to step off uh, the course um, last week at their meet down at their home course, uh, gets healthy here soon. Um, she's off to a tremendous start. Same with Landon Cook, who's a little bit banged up down at Coon as their only varsity runner. Uh, hopefully those two get healthy and can kind of get going again here soon. All right, that is done. We are out of here. It's KCIM Sports Rewind. Once again, catch a podcast available at 1380kcim.com on the mobile app, sports app, you name it. We're going to find it all over the place. KCIM Sports Rewind brought to you exclusively by St. Anthony Sports Performance Program.